Well, good morning. It's a pleasure to be here again in Maine. I was uh, here for the camp meeting, and uh, it's always nice to come back to Maine. I noticed that most people are on this side, but they're blocking the screen there. If you want to see better, I may suggest you move to this side of the, <laughs> of the church. It's okay if you want to stay where you are. That's completely fine. So this is my family. Uh, unfortunately, they couldn't come uh, with me this, uh, this trip. They originally were supposed to be with, with me. And um, last, uh, a, few, a few years ago, uh, I had uh, many invitations to speak in many places around the world. So I took my family with me, and we went to literally 20 countries for the summer. Okay. And it was a very nice experience because we were able to experience, you know, different types of foods, different types of uh, ways of thinking, different types of cultures, and we had a, a good time uh, together while we were gone. But because we were gone for the whole summer, a bear came into our place while we were gone and made a hole <laughs> and helped himself to some healthy food that was there in the pantry. <laughs> So our neighbor realized that, and the thing is that when a bear does that, he's going to come back, you know, for, for more and other houses, as he learned, you know, houses have food. So they had to call the person that traps the, the bear. There was an old washing machine we were trying to get rid of, and they moved that washing machine into the hole that the bear had done, and a second bear came, <laughs> moved that washing machine, <laughs> And finish what the other one didn't finish. And you know what he liked very much? Maple syrup, you know. <laughs> it actually punctured the thing, you know, with his paws and, and, and drink the whole thing. He even opened the fridge. I mean, these animals are, are pretty, pretty smart. So watch out. You know, if you're gone for the summer, watch out for the bears. <laughs> And uh, there's a guide that I wrote. Uh, you can download this uh, for free. I'll tell you in a minute. It's a nutritional guide uh, telling you all the uh, things that you should be putting in your daily lifestyle if you want to have a nice, optimum uh, immune system. And I published quite a bit on the scientific uh, literature. This is uh, one of the clinical cases. Um, this uh, a patient that came to us, classic patient that comes to a lifestyle center, patient had problem with obesity, patient had problem with high blood pressure, even though he was taking two medications for blood pressure, still his blood pressure was too high, 150 over 78, and he was taking one medication for diabetes. And in a matter of 18 days, as he followed the plant-based diet, the exercise, the rest, the spirituality, and the whole package, this patient was able to lose 16 pounds. His blood pressure came down to normal levels. We had to stop his blood pressure medication. His diabetes came down to normal levels. We had to stop his diabetic medication. Now, the patient didn't say, oh, I got better, I'm going to go back home and eat my old lifestyle and so forth. No, he learned his lesson. So from now on, he continued on that healthy lifestyle. And you can see here, in a matter of 11 months, his blood pressure is completely perfect. 
His cholesterol is perfect. That's where we want our cholesterol under 150. His bad cholesterol is excellent, 61. But the most surprising number there is something that is called the hemoglobin A1C, 5.5. It means he is no longer diabetic. His diabetes went into remission. And you can see here, after a year and a half of intensive lifestyle changes, he has lost 141 pounds, no longer obese, no longer diabetic, no longer hypertensive. And you know, I've worked in this type of settings for 28 years. So it's not something like, oh, I've seen one of these every 20 years. No, we see this over and over and over as the person changes their lifestyle, then, you know, that regeneration takes place by the help of God. And this other one, we took all the patients from a whole year that came to the lifestyle center, and we were calculating what's happening at the beginning and at the end of the program regarding their medication. We found out that 93% of them, the majority of them, we were able to stop their blood pressure medication, you know, in a matter of 18 days because their blood pressure came down to acceptable levels. So you can find that research, just go to your Google and, and type Francisco Ramirez Research Gate. You should be able to find there where the, the repository of the research is. And you can get that guide that I told you is there. You can download the PDF and read any of the research that may be there. So your handout for today is going to be the book Pandemic Busters, okay? So make sure you get a copy of that book. That book has, with a lot of detail, complementing what I'm going to be speaking this morning, okay? And I remind you, for this afternoon, we'll continue with the, the, the seminar. We'll be talking about two very important topics Number one, we'll be talking about the root cause of most of the health problems. So if you can understand where the root cause of the problem is, you may be able to make some changes to avoid being a statistic. And number two, we're going to be talking about dementia. So there's some fascinating research coming out and demonstrating how we can prevent the majority of the cases of dementia. In fact, I'm in the process of recording a whole series on dementia. It's a series that communities, churches can run and teach people all the good lifestyle habits that you should be doing in order to prevent dementia. So don't, don't miss it. Don't forget, you know, <laughs> dementia side of things. <laughs> So today I want to talk to you about a fascinating topic, the emerging infectious diseases. So many people ask, doctor, how come they cannot stop these uh, uh, infectious diseases and, uh, and, and, and so forth? You can help me there with a click uh, there. How come they don't stop these diseases? 
Well, trying to stop those diseases is like trying to stop this fish. It's very easy. <laughs> you cannot. <laughs> you cannot stop these things. What you need to be doing, you need to be preparing them to face them. Because, sadly, we're going to see more and more of these diseases as history goes on. In fact, it is part of some of the signs that Jesus predicted that was going to happen as we were getting closer to the end of times. In Matthew 24... Matthew 24, 7, it has a certain signs. One of them says that nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Anybody has heard of any wars recently here around the world? Man, there are so many. I mean, the most famous one is the Ukrainian one. But if you go around the globe, you're going to see that there's many, many conflicts, some about to start, and some actually actively having uh, wars between one and another. It also says there that there was going to be famines. Did you know that there are at least 20 places where famines are actually quite common in this planet? And there's many places in which people have food insecurity. You don't know if you're going to be able to eat your next meal. Sadly, this is the reality of the world that we live in, in which some places have overabundance, while others are struggling just to eat their next meal. It also says there that there was going to be earthquakes in many places. And earthquakes are actually all over the place. Look at this interesting statistic. From 1900 to 910, there was only three earthquakes 6.0 or above. Okay? Only three earthquakes. If you check the statistic from 1990 to the year 2000, there has been 943 earthquakes, 6.0 and above. Small difference, <laughs> huge difference. And that's what we're seeing with these signs that Jesus was mentioning. Is like a lady that is about to give birth. If you ever witnessed that, that baby is coming out. With the doctor, without the doctor, or in spite of the doctor, you know, <laughs> a baby comes out. And if you ever seen that, you will see ladies start to get those contractions more often and more powerful, yes or no, <laughs> as the baby is about to come out. And that's what we're witnessing. All these signs, we are seeing them more often and more powerful each time. And one last sign that is there in Matthew 24, 7 is the sign. You can help me there with the... There. There shall be pestilences. Anybody uh, heard about of a pestilence uh, lately uh, in this planet? <laughs> There's one that was quite famous 
But as we're going to learn today, there's actually quite a bit of those pestilences around. Uh, book Acts of the Apostles, there are in the world today many who close their eyes to the evidences that Christ has given to warn men of His coming. They seek to quiet all apprehension, while at the same time, the signs of the end are rapidly fulfilling. And the world is hastening to the time when the Son of Man shall be revealed in the clouds of heaven. In fact, you can talk to anybody on planet Earth. You can talk to them and they can see that things are not the way they used to be. Politically, economically, socially, lots of unrest and issues. And people are witnessing this before their own eyes. And one of the major threats that we face as humans is something by the name of emerging infectious diseases. We can classify those emerging infectious diseases into two big groups. One group are diseases that we thought that we had them under control. We had the medication and everything was there, but suddenly they're making a resurgence. An example of this would be tuberculosis. We have the medication for tuberculosis, yet we're seeing more and more cases again of tuberculosis. And then the second group of emerging infectious diseases are those diseases that are completely new. Nobody had ever heard about them and bam, suddenly they appear. One of them would be the famous COVID-19, a totally new disease that came totally and suddenly. And the next one, if you can help me there with my next one, the pandemic influenza, sadly, is probably something that we're going to get hit with. We're going to be exploring today where this pandemic influenza is going to come in the near future. Let's go and see one of those emerging infectious diseases. 1981. When was 1981? When here in America we had Ronald Reagan as president. So in your head, you know, you know about when that was. Or Canadians had Mr. Trudeau, the, the father of the one that is in, in Canada. The Public Health of America puts out this report called the MMWR. Can you give me the next one? And this MMWR in June of, two, of, of 1981, it reports, you know, new things that are happening in the world of public health, this report. You can sign up, you can get this for free on your email. And it started reporting that there was a small group of homosexual males that were having a very strange pneumonia. Now, as a doctor, you see pneumonia often. But this type of pneumonia was not the typical pneumonia that you see often. This is called an atypical pneumonia. 
Did you know that this is the very first time in history that in a scientific document it was documented what will become the AIDS problem? Before this, nobody had ever heard of a disease by the name of AIDS. And sadly, today, 36 million people have died worldwide as a result of AIDS. So from a very small and humble beginning... Today, many people have perished as a result of this disease. Where did it come from? We're going to learn today where this disease came from. We know that, you know, sexual promiscuity, IV drug use have sent this disease all over the place. But where did it come from in the first place? We'll be learning about that today. And this is not the only new disease. There's many new diseases around. Lyme disease, that's also a new disease. In the old days, this disease was not infecting uh, humans. West Nile, Ebola, Marburg, uh, mad cows, and the list goes on and on and on and on. Where are these diseases coming from and what can we do about it? Can you give me the next one? Thank you. And there's a tool by the name of medical anthropology. Medical anthropology uh, tries to trace back in their studies where diseases came from in the first place. You can actually take a, you know, become an expert in this. One of the uh, best universities happens to be at uh, University of Connecticut, where they have a very good program of medical anthropology. For example, smallpox, where did it come from? It came from camels. The close contact of humans and camels caused the camel pox to mutate and then it jump into humans. And once it's mutated into humans, humans started infecting one to another one. Another example of that would be the whooping cough. Whooping cough, a very infectious type of cough, you don't see it very often because most people are vaccinated against this, so the disease almost have disappeared in America. Sadly, it still continues uh, worldwide, but you get this coughing fit that you even get purple from so much coughing that you cannot even breathe because you're coughing. And this one came from contact of pigs and humans. This is only one of them. There's many other diseases that have come via that route from pigs to humans. And this whooping cough, can you give me the next one? Um, Leviticus 11 talks to us about this. Leviticus 11, it says, don't eat pigs, don't even touch pigs, it says there. And there's a lot of wisdom in that. This is a very problematic animal. And the, the issue is that if you study a little bit of uh, history, 
you will see that when Christopher Columbus came here to the continent of America, he, um, in his second trip, when he returned, he brought for the first time to the American continent pigs. Did you know there were many diseased, many animals that were not here in this continent? There was no pigs, there was no cows, there was no chickens, there were no lambs. All those animals were brought from the European continent here to the American continent. And when Christopher Columbus brought these pigs, he caused a swine flu epidemic in this continent. And millions perished as a result of bringing those pigs to this continent. Now, the, the story tells us, give me one back, one forward. <laughs> the story tells us that half of the population of the Indians in Mexico actually perished by the time that the next conqueror came, Hernan Cortes came into America. This happened a few years ago. In fact, the same story happened here, not too far from here, where the pilgrims came. The reason why they were able to come and stay here is because the natives here have been decimated by the diseases that the Europeans had brought previously. So there was a big possibility to come and be here in peace. Because if not, they would have been attacked immediately. So the same story happened there. Give me the next one. And by 1618, the population of Indians in Mexico had been reduced from 18 million to 1.6 million. That's why you read in history how small armies were able to take down tremendous powerful empires because the soldiers were sick, the soldiers were missing, and they were unable to protect their lands. And that's why it was quite easy for them to do that. So another um, disease that came, um, that we know how it came, was uh, typhoid fever. Typhoid fever came because of chickens. Typhoid lives naturally in the intestines of every chicken. In fact, most eggs have typhoid in their surface. And um, if you think about it, there was no chickens here in this continent. There was no typhoid fever in the American continent. And then you have measles. Again, another disease that because of vaccination, you don't hear very much about it. But just the last 200 years, it has literally killed 200 million people worldwide. So these uh, diseases came, they jumped from the cow into the humans, the close contact with them. That's how this disease came to us. And then influenza, that, you know, very hard type of uh, disease that comes every winter, this one we know it came from ducks. Now think a little bit. You think the ducks that are flying there in the sky are the ones that infected us? No. I had to have the duck here in my face, isn't it? So the duck could you know, sneeze or cough 
and then, you know, infect me. That's how this disease came into us. So I had to domesticate the dog in order for the dog to infect me. And that's what happened secondary to domesticating this animal. And leprosy came from the water buffalo. Close contact of the water buffalo and human jumped that disease to the humans. And in the American continent, there was uh, leprosy, and it's found on armadillos. Do not touch armadillos. Armadillos carry leprosy. Now, some places, they eat the armadillo. Again, not the most wise thing to do. And in this book, uh, Jared Diamond, he explains with quite a bit of detail how these diseases came about. And he explains how 95% of the natives in this continent were wiped out of the diseases that the Europeans brought to this continent. Now, it was something fascinating. How come diseases were flowing from the Europeans to the Americans and not the other way, except for a few exceptions? One of them was syphilis. Syphilis came from the American continent to Europe. Once it got there, they started blaming each other. The French blamed the Italians, the Italians from the English, but the reality was that it was the Spanish. The Spanish brought it to Europe, and from there it went all over the place. But why were the diseases flowing from the Europeans to the Americans? And the reason why is because here in the American continent, the natives didn't do animal husbandry. Most of those diseases you can trace back to animal husbandry. So the natives, I'm not saying they were vegetarians, they would find a, a group of buffalo, they would kill one of them, but they would let the other buffalo run wild. Well, the Europeans would catch the animals, put them in enclosed places, and they had constant contact with them day after day. In fact, in the chapter 11 of the book I just mentioned to you, Dr. Diamond explains with great detail how that disease started flowing from the close contact of those animals and humans. And because there was no buffalo, uh, because there was no animals um, that were being uh, used as husbandry, well, that avoided many of the common diseases that we see. So no pigs, no pertussis in this continent, no chickens, no typhoid fever, and the list goes on and on and on. While if you check the history of Europe, you would see that the Europeans were going to be getting hit over and over by multiple epidemics over and over and over and over. Here are some of the numbers. For example, the plague of Justinian, it killed 10,000 people per day. Tremendously devastated. Or the Black Plague, half of the population of Europe were wiped out as a result of that disease. 
or the Italian plague. One-third of all the people that lived in Venice back then disappear secondary to this disease. And you can trace every single one of these diseases to animals. Now, the story started changing by the time that we arrived to the 20th century because of public health interventions like sanitation. People started learning that they had to wash their hands and take showers and this type of things. That actually helped quite a bit the situation to be clean. Then also the advent of things like antibiotics. Before, infectious diseases that we didn't have no response whatsoever, we were able to give the right antibiotics and stop the disease. And also, vaccination. Vaccination decreased many of the common killers from diphtheria to measles and many other diseases that were killing a lot of people. They were able to avoid those problems with this public health interventions. So things started changing. Can you give me the next one? And um, the diseases, give me one back. The diseases started uh, changing as we went, give me one forward. There it is. And disease, the amount of disease started to decrease very much as we were seen that these interventions were working. And for example, in the 60s, people started writing things like this, that infectious diseases was going to be something that was going to pass into history from, from us to never know about them. Now, Mr. Uh, Mark Farlane didn't come to 2020 to see how much into history came infectious diseases, isn't it? So, um, can you get the next one? you can see that the amount of disease started to decrease dramatically until the 1950s, 1960s. That's when disease started coming and making a resurgence from being under control and decreasing bound. It started to bounce back. Can you give me the next one? And I'm originally from Mexico, and uh, I was telling the people in the morning, you missed you know, some of the photographs that we were seeing about that. And when I was in my 20s, can the next one? I moved to Norway. And in Norway, um, I realized that Norway was very different from Mexico. <laughs> Not only the weather, you know, <laughs> of course the weather is quite different down there. But the whole system is very different. The level of corruption, you know, is almost non-existent. Uh, wealth is distributed very equally among the population. There's not such thing as the bad side of town and the nice side of town. Everywhere, you know, things are quite nice and stable. You know, government, you know, helps the people instead of, you know, abusing people and so forth. So I asked myself the following question. What made Norway such a prosperous country? In order to answer that, what I did, I went to the library to read the history of Norway. And I got shocked. As I'm reading the pages of history of Norway, 
I see that Norway had the same problems as Mexico. There was corruption, there was abuse of power, there was dysfunctionality in the whole country and so forth. And somebody by the name of Martin Luther came and brought a new philosophy to that country. And that created, as we were talking about yesterday, neuroplasticity in the whole country. And the way of operating was completely transformed. And honesty and hard work and all these values came into this country. Now, I've been to 88 countries, can you give me the next one, on planet Earth. And I start to see the pattern very clearly. You show me a country that that message came and they fully embrace it, I'm going to show you the most prosperous countries on planet Earth. We can go and walk through them. You have Canada and the United States. You have Iceland, England, Norway, Sweden, Finland, Denmark, Holland, Germany, Switzerland, tremendously prosperous countries. People risk their lives to try to emigrate to those types of, of, of countries. And then through the influence of the English, you have uh, Hong Kong, tremendously prosperous uh, country in Asia. I've been there many times. Sadly, now that it came into control of the Chinese, that country is going downhill. And then you have Singapore, tremendously prosperous country, big buildings, clean, clean streets, you know, lots of work for everybody. And in the same peninsula, you have Malaysia. You cross from Singapore to Malaysia, man, it's a totally different world down there. Totally different world. And then you have Australia and New Zealand, very prosperous countries. Now, something happened to these countries, sadly. And we read about that in Proverbs 37. In Proverbs 37, it says there, Don't let me tell lies, and don't make me too rich or too poor. Give me enough, only enough food for each day. If I have too much, I might deny that I need you, Lord. And sadly, in all these countries, this is what happened. God blessed those countries abundantly. They became very prosperous, and they forgot who gave them that prosperity. And we can see that those countries are having major problems as new philosophies have come in, such as postmodernism, agnosticism, atheism, and so forth. And we're witnessing that here in America, how this country, you know, is breaking apart from its seams as people have changed the philosophy. Next one. And people are substituting that by different other philosophies. Give me the next one. <laughs> You have, for example, many people stating they no longer have belief in God. They have lost their roots of what gave them that prosperity. And in the book, The Great Controversy, 
we read, Satan works through the elements also to garner his harvest of unprepared souls. He has studied the secrets of the laboratories of nature, and he uses all his power to control the elements as far as God allows. It is God that chills his creatures and hatches them in from the power of the destroyer. But the Christian world has shown contempt for the law of Jehovah. And the Lord will do just what he has declared that he would do. He will withdraw his blessings from the earth and remove his protecting care from those who are rebelling against his law and are forcing others to do the same. Satan has control of all whom God does not specially guard. He will bring disease and disaster and their, until popular cities are reduced to ruin and desolation. Even now he's at work. In accidents and calamities by sea and by land, in great conflagrations, in fierce tornadoes and terrific hailstorms, in tempests, floods, cyclones, tidal waves and earthquakes, in every place and in a thousand forms, Satan is exercising his power. He imparts to the air a deadly taint and thousand perish by the pestilence. These visitations are to become more and more frequent and disastrous. Destruction will be upon men and beasts. The earth mourned and faded away. The haughty people do languish. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. And sadly, that's what we're witnessing. As we are turning our backs to God who blessed us, we are seeing the results of that. Can you give me the next one? So that is something that we call the rose effect. Give me the next one. And you can see here very clearly, show me the most secular countries I'm going to show you the highest suicidal rates in the world. As people become empty, and there is something inside of us that only spirituality can meet. And if we don't have that, there is major problems as a result of this. So, can you give me the next one? So, this is just like Hezekiah. You know, God had blessed tremendously the people of Israel. And when the Babylonians came to try to investigate, you know, who, who gave you these blessings, Hezekiah showed him the riches, but he didn't show them who gave him those riches, isn't it? And negative things came as a result of this. Give me the next one. So this is what sociologists call the rose effect. The rose effect is what happens if you have a rose bush and you cut a, uh, a rose, that rose still is alive. But what's going to happen to that rose? <laughs> it's going to die because it's cutting down from the source of his life. And that's what we're witnessing in front of us. As those countries are disconnecting from the source that gave them those blessings, 
things are not going to end up very well. Can you give me the next one? So you had, for example, the change of society that started happening, especially in the 1950s, 1960s. That's when the counterculture movement started to arise. That's when rock and roll and all these movements started coming in into this country. For example, the teenage girls that had premarital sexual relationships, you see a tremendous increase exactly at that point. Give me the next one. Sexually transmitted diseases, specifically gonorrhea, among young uh, people between 10 to 14 years of age. You know, this, is, this shouldn't be there, period. You know, at that, at that uh, um, ages. 385% more common today. Birth rates of single girls, 10 to 14 years old, exactly there in the 1950s and 1960s, tremendous increase of this in our society. Give me the next one. And give me the next one. Out of wedlock as percentage of all birds. So you can see the more we advance, the more the percentage, and we are about 40% of all the birds are of people out of wedlock. Next one. And the next one. Single people living together, an increase on 725% more today compared to the 1950s, 1960s. Divorces. The numbers keep on going up and up and up, the dissolution of the families. Uh, child abuse, up 2,300% compared to the 1950s and today. And drug usage, give me the next one, 6,000% more between the 1950s and 60s to today. Violent crimes up 1,000%. Next one, suicide among teens going up. Next one. So from 1975, by the time that we arrived then, we already had 30 new diseases that nobody had ever heard about them in the past. If you could push a little bit the receptor um, more towards the, the end, I think it's been blocked. So we saw that the emerging infectious diseases started coming up all over the place. Look at this map. You can see here the number of inf emerging infectious diseases worldwide. Is it just one? No, it's all over the place. COVID-19, you know, made this thing famous, but we have been following this for a while, and there is a re-emergence of all diseases and many new diseases literally all over the world. So organizations like the World Health Organization are very worried about this, that there are so many new diseases worldwide. Depending on the present policies and actions, this situation will lead to catastrophic storm of microbial threats. So, in 1975, we started seeing a wave of new diseases that you can literally trace every single one of them to animals.
An example of this would be Argentina. Argentina started changing its national policy, encouraging farmers to cut down their forests and put animals instead there. And by doing that, they started getting exposed, the farmers and those animals, to animals that had certain diseases in those forests, and those forests started transmitting those diseases to the animals and later on to the humans. So you have, give me the next one, you have the other countries in South America that copy the same pattern, you have all these new emerging infectious diseases that are completely new as a result of that. Give the next one. And in Africa, same story. You have this new group of diseases called the viral hemorrhagic fevers. Just by the name of it, do they sound nice? No, they're not nice, you know. <laughs> they are going to cause you to have tremendous fevers and you bleed literally from every orifice in your body. So the most famous one of this is the famous Ebola. There is a new emerging infectious disease. It's a new disease that in the past we didn't have it. That's the most famous one, but there's many others. You have things like the Lassa. You have things like Marburg disease. Marburg disease is a nasty disease. In fact, I was just uh, tweeting about this. Give me the next one. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And did you know that Marburg disease has a mortality rate of 50%? 50% of the people that get this disease are going to die. This is a really, really nasty disease. Where did these viral hemorrhagic fevers come from? Well, let me tell you the story. The business people realized that in the forest of Africa, there was very good quality wood. So what they did, they started cutting down those forests. Now, think that you're one of those workers. Here you are being sent deep into those forests to work there for the next couple of weeks. What are you going to eat? I mean, you have a lunch with you, but after two, three weeks, you run out of lunch. What are you going to eat? So what the people started doing in order to have some food, they started killing primates. Does the Bible tell you to eat primates? <laughs> no, there's a reason why the Bible says don't eat these creatures. Today, more than 26 of those primates have been documented that they have killed them for food. From gorilla to chimpanzee and you name it. And these animals, as they ate them... They liked the taste, and they went and told the people in the city, Hey, you should try some gorilla. It tastes really good. So the people in the city started asking for that type of food. And that opened the door to a new group of diseases. Did you know that Ebola has been very well documented? That's where Ebola came from. Ebola naturally is a disease that was in the monkeys, and by eating them, Ebola jumped into the humans. 
And then the humans started infecting each other. And this is a disease we have not controlled. You go into the news and you will see they have resurgence over and over. In Congo, just a week or so, they had a new outbreak of this Ebola. And did you know that this is where AIDS came from? This is Journal Science, one of the top journals in the world. Direct exposure to animal blood and secretions as a result of hunting, butchering, and other activities, talking about those monkeys, such as consumption of, of uncooked contaminated meat, cause AIDS. So AIDS was naturally in the monkeys, and by exchanging blood or, or, or eating uh, not cooked enough uh, meat, that's how AIDS jumped into the humans. Later on, humans started spreading this disease, you know, one to another one. And sadly, we have not reached the peak of AIDS. Still, especially Southern Africa and Southeast uh, Asia, this disease keeps on increasing and increasing, and many more people are perishing as a result of that. Now, another problem is the wet markets in Asia. And you have all these different species that you're putting them all together in one place. I'm telling you, this is not a good idea. Because the diseases can jump very easy from one animal to the other one, mutate, and then you end up getting um, the infection on you. So let's go and see one of them. You, know? you have here all these bats. So what they do, they cut the wings because they do certain recipes with the wings and they do other recipes with the rest of the body. Does the Bible tell you to eat this animal? <laughs> no, isn't it? There's a reason why the Bible says don't eat this animal. And then just in the next table, you have this guy, you know, cutting down this boa uh, that he is going to be selling to, for food. You know, again, you should not be eating these things. Did you know that bats have hands? They are in the very end of their wings. That's where their little hands are. And then you go to the next table. Look at what people are going to buy to eat. They have these rats that people are going to be eating, you know. Again, the Bible says don't eat these animals. And then you have this feline there that they're going to be eating for food also. And then you have pigs, and then you have many more bats. And then, uh, sadly, as you walk outside, there's the dogs that they're going to be eating. And sadly, the ones in the bottom there are the next ones that they're going to kill for food. And the cats and the other live cats are down there. And look at the things they eat, you know. Look at that, you know big lizard that they're going to eat. I mean, it's not like, oh, it looks so yummy. Man, I wish I could eat some of that lizard, isn't it? <laughs> no, <laughs> it doesn't even look appetizing or, or anything. And I'm telling you, do you think something good is going to come out of there? Of course not. This is just a tremendous source of disease. Now, you may say, well, doctor, we don't do that here. And I'm glad that we don't do that here, but we do this here. And we know that the next pandemic is coming out of this. There's no question about it. The next pandemic is going to be an 
avian influenza or a combination of avian and swine flu. There's no question about it. And this is the perfect place for diseases to emerge. When you have all this overcrowding, do you think this ha these chickens are happy there? No, they are under constant stress. And that causes the immune system to crash down. And the diseases can change very easily. They are loaded with all kinds of uh, medications because if not, all of them will be wiped out because there's so many of them in one place. You're feeding them all this artificial stuff. There is no sunlight to disinfect all those diseases there. There's no fresh air to clean, you know, all those pathogens that are being formed there. It is the perfect place for diseases to come about. And I talk about that in my, in my book. If you just go to the Google and look for avian flu, you will see that we have had some resurgence of these diseases. Fortunately, they've been able to stop it. But I'm telling you, one of these days, they're not going to be able to stop this. And this disease is going to jump into humans. And we're talking about a mortality of 30 40% is going to be nasty. And then you have this creature called the civet cat. You don't know it because it's a, an animal that lives in Asia. And this animal, they use this animal to produce the world's most expensive coffee. How expensive it is? It costs about $600 for a pound of, 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 of these beans that they use. So what's so special about these beans of coffee that they use? They take the poopy of these animals and they make the coffee. <laughs> and people pay big bucks due to this. In fact, they say the anus gland gives some special flavor to the coffee, that that's why it's such a special coffee. People paying big bucks for this. I don't know if they ever heard of peppermint tea or something else, you know, <laughs> why would you want to drink this? And you know, COVID-19, the name of the virus is called SARS number two. Why is it called SARS number two? Because there was what? A SARS number one. Did you know that SARS number one came from this creature? They eat this creature and then they make this coffee also from this creature. This is The Lancet, one of the top uh, journals in the world. And the article is very clear there. A culinary choice in southern China, talking about the civet cat, led to a fatal infection in Hong Kong and subsequently 8,000 cases of SARS and almost 1,000 deaths in 30 countries. They were able to contain this disease. If not, it would have happened exactly the same thing that happened with COVID-19. Again, the Bible says don't eat this creature, yes or no? There's a reason why the Bible teaches that principle. And there's some other really nasty diseases that are emerging. There's another one. It's called Streptococcus suis. And this disease, this bacteria, likes to go to your immune system. About half of the people that get this bug are going to lose their sight. They're going to get a meningitis, a very severe type of meningitis, very, very killer. Where did this disease come from? This is the official report. 
Stress due to poor housing conditions about pigs, such as overcrowding and inadequate ventilation, are risk factors for the development of a clinical apparent disease. Because this is not the way that pigs are supposed to live. Did you know that there's places that the pig lives his entire life in these cages? Why are they so mean to the pigs? Well, because if the pig makes exercise, it builds a muscle. And if it makes muscle, the meat becomes hard. And who wants hard meat? Everybody wants nice and soft meat. And you have the Nipah virus. Man, this virus is nasty. 40 to 70% of the people that are exposed to this virus died. It is a nasty disease. In fact, the authorities are afraid that some crazy terrorists may get this virus cultivated and just release it everywhere. Man, they'll kill a bunch of people all over the place. Where did this virus come from? Without these largely intensively managed pig farms in Malaysia, it would have been extremely difficult for the virus to emerge. So what can we do about it? Well, one of the things you need to be aware is that our food choices have consequences. The more we ask for certain foods, the more the business people will provide it. So we need to change our food choices. And also another concerning thing is what is called antibiotic resistance. Many of the antibiotics are stopping. They no longer are working. Did you know that 70% of all the antibiotics are given to animals? That makes them grow faster. And because of the overcrowding conditions, it allows to have a bunch of animals and they don't die. But the antibiotics are becoming resistance because of that. So they did this study. It cost $1 million to do this study. And they were analyzing the bacteria that lives in our intestines. What percentage of those bacteria are antibiotic resistance? And this is what they found out. The, re the results are very clear. People that eat animals that have been exposed to antibiotics, when you eat those animals, you become antibiotic resistant. Well, the people that don't eat any of those animals, none of them had antibiotic resistance. So our food choices do have consequences. There's a reason why the inspired pen wrote the following. The light that God has given me is that the curse of God is on the earth, the sea, the cattle, on the animals. There soon will be no safety in the possession of flocks. The earth is decaying under the curse of God. So because we humans are changing our behavior, we're causing problems on this earth, and that is affecting the animals around us. So let's see this in perspective. COVID has killed millions. AIDS had killed millions. Streptococcus suis has killed thousands. SARS-1 killed thousands. And Nipah killed hundreds. 
But the type of that new pandemic influenza we're going to ever get hit is going to be very, very bad because it's going to have the infectiousness of a COVID-19 type of thing, but with a very high mortality rate. Now, what can we do about it? Well, you know, there's many things that I happen to disagree with Mr. Fauci, but there's some things that I agree very much. Can you put me the audio on the video? And let's see what he has to say here. Okay. Right to here. prevent getting an infectious disease and having to have you as my doctor is what? Um, wearing a mask. No, um, no, no. no. You do that. <laughs> you, uh, somebody's, I can see they're ready to sneeze or cough, you, walk away. You avoid all the paranoid aspects and okay. do something positive. A, good diet. B, you don't smoke, I know. I know you don't drink, at least not very much, so that's pretty good. Get some exercise. I know that you don't get as much exercise as yes, you should. That's correct. Get good sleep. I think that the normal low-tech healthy things okay. are the best thing that you can do, David, is stay All healthy. right. Well, I'm going to try to do that. And hopefully when I next see you, I will be even healthier than I am today. I, I would imagine you would be, and I look forward to that. Thank you very much. My pl <laughs> so he's teaching basically what we call here the new start, isn't it? <laughs> Exercise, good diet, good sleep, stop smoking, and so forth. So the light given me is that it will not be very long before we shall have to give up any animal food. Even milk will have to be discarded. Disease is accumulating rapidly. The curse of God is upon the earth because man has cursed it. Fascinating, isn't it? The inside that this word had written, you know, more than a hundred years ago, yet very applicable for today. So, in closing, people are saying, Doctor, things are a little bit scary, isn't it? Well, in the New Testament, there's a story of the disciples in which they were in a very scary situation. They were in a boat, and there was a tremendous storm and these people thought they were going to perish. Yet, the, what made the difference is that Jesus was on that boat. Yes or no? So, we live in a time in history that I think that it will be a good idea to invite Jesus on your boat. Yes or no? <laughs> because the storms are quite nasty around us. But if Jesus is in the boat, we can be successful going through these stormy waters. So don't wait to invite Jesus in your boat because that's the way we're going to come out of this victoriously. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear... But what? Of power, of love, and of a sound mind. May we be able to experience this as we put Jesus in our boats and let them guide our lives because that's the way, the best way that the story is going to end. God bless you. Thank you very much. We hope you were blessed by today's message. For more content or to connect with us, 
visit us online at brunswickadventist.church.